When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here's a deep drive to left. Wow. And Escobar tees off and hits one into the second deck. A big two-run home run by Escobar. And the Twins have busted it open 7-1. Are you here by circle? <laughs> we put you are here by circle at the end of every highlight, even if Burt is nowhere. Even when Tori Hunter's doing the game. Even when Tori's doing the game. All right, what in the wide, wide world of sports have we seen these last two days in St. Louis? We could blame the three victories in Chicago on the mighty Whiteys. Being inept. Uh, But uh, last night, they played impeccable baseball. The The way I love to watch baseball played. Yeah, I don't need 14 to 5. I need what they did last night. They don't roast. They they go out and get, uh, you know, a couple of runs in the top of the first, and then they're going to tie it up, and Rosario jumps over the fence and makes the catch. And all of a sudden, Fernando Romero is rolling. And they keep, and when they had a chance to add on, they added on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they advanced runners, they caught the ball. And they pitch like crazy. You know what, last night... And then we had a plate umpire who gave yep. guys the corner. Yep. Which, I like that, too. Yep. Give them the corner. You know what was important last night, too? It was much like... the Remember the game against Baltimore, Burrios' first start of the year? They got mm-hmm. the kid two runs right away. That mm-hmm. first inning last night, I think, when they got the two off that kid, that was really important because Romero, Romero was pretty locked in. Once he had that lead, I thought he was he was really good last night. It's yeah, like he I, was. it's like I told you guys last week when yep, I made my hot take. Gonna, yeah, they're going to win more than seventy win games. Seventy by August first. <laughs> That's like right. Said, uh, I was uh, right this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then today they go out and they're facing Carlos Martinez. Now he wasn't throwing as hard as usual, but the scouting report on him is he throws ninety two until that isn't enough to get you out. And then he goes and throws ninety six. You know but, who might have uh, had the at bat of the day too? By the way. It was Idri Arianza. They had the bases loaded. They had one out. And Martinez knew he could reach back with 97 and strike him out. And then Odorizzi would have been up to end the mm-hmm. inning. And instead, he tried to get 94 by Arianza. And then he, he pulled it into right center field for the sack fly. That was a huge at bat because he was down 0-2 at yeah, that time. They, uh, you know, they played really good. And let's face it, they look like a lot better baseball team with Escobar playing third than with yes, Big they Boy do. playing third. It's because, not a coincidence, Patrick. Uh, Eduardo is a, a mediocre shortstop and a really good third baseman. Mm-hmm. Adrian's is a high mediocre shortstop. He's not fantastic, but he's a little better than Escobar. And Escobar is a terrific third baseman who uh, makes plays. And it is a, uh, 
pretty uh, dang uh, promising uh, couple of games there. Now we 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 I, I meant to say this yesterday, but I forgot to. Hector in the first inning on Sunday. Oh, yeah. That was Sunday. Hector in the first inning, and uh, and Dan Hayes from the Athletic tweeted out the Vikings get uh, the Twins get three in the first, but they missed a chance to get another run. And I tweeted back. I don't think they wanted to score another run because they were afraid they, they might, might take, take him out of the game. <laughs> you wanted, I think Molitor said, "Boys, let's sacrifice this fourth Go run easy on him to right keep, now to keep Hector in, in the, the game." game. <laughs> Boy, that was uh, that was hard to watch. But anyway, they uh, the you know with let's face it, they looked like a better team last year once Escobar started playing third. Yeah. And they look like a better team now. I'm not saying you don't need Sano's bat in this lineup eventually, but he's a DH. He's a DH. You can't yeah. have a guy that's butchering half the plays that are that are, that he's attempting to make. And the thing is, well, he can make that. he can make a spectacular play once in a while. But the problem is, he doesn't make eight out of the ten routine plays. That's yes, the issue. The problem well, is when the ball's hit to his left, the bouncer that is being cut off and thrown out. Is a base hit with Miguel playing third mm-hmm. base because he can't go to his left. My concern with him though is if you do say, okay, Miguel, you're a first base or you're a you're a DH. Is this is he going to be even less inclined yeah, no. to get himself into no. good shape? No, that was um, Manny. We can go back. I wrote about this the other day. We can go back to all the way back to the uh, spring of 2016. Mm-hmm. When we came up with the Manny and Miguel, the right field, he came up, and in uh, on July second of 2015, and allegedly weighed 258, and he DH for the rest of the year, and he weighed 270 at mm-hmm. the end of the year. So they were very paranoid that okay, him not playing in the field has caused him to gain weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we'll do? Not only will we, but we can't get rid of Trevor Plouffe because he's had a really good year. We'll tell him he's going to be in right field, and to, in order to get ready to play right field, he'll go home and take ten off, and he'll weigh two sixty again. <laughs> well, he showed up at two seventy eight that did, next spring. So, he, so either he way, he's eight. just going to be no, out of he's, shape. he's what he is. Yeah. So and you might he, as well just make him a fat DH. And, uh, didn't he tell <laughs> you guys too in spring training? Oh, they told me I could play third next year. Didn't he say that to him? Plouffe was still on the team. I, he, he told his buddy Lavelle and swore on a grave of his lost relatives that he weighed two sixty four, but he actually weighed two seventy eight. So yeah. Anyway, this is not about no. Miguel. We need to celebrate. This is about celebrating a sweep of the Redbirds. How about that? Who'd been yeah. playing pretty damn good. You know what I and, saw today uh, too, and it, this might seem very minor, but I saw what I saw today. That's a pretty good sign. Taylor Rogers had a nice little outing. Yes, and, and, he, they, uh, and they, they, need him, they need that from him. Well, Hildenberger was Hildenberger and Rogers were terrible in spring training and terrible at the start of this season. And Hildenberger, by a few days, started getting people out. Uh, you know, and now maybe Rogers will start getting people. Not out. to one up yeah. you, Manny, but Ryan Presley's been the story of the bullpen this year. My God, has he yeah. been good? Two more innings today. I know, I know. I, I was with you, by the way. I didn't disagree last year when when you said they can't give up on a guy that throws like that. I was one because yes. I'm a Ryan Presley guy. Yeah. Okay. Except for when he I'll gave that, that. Except for when he gave up that 500 foot home I'll run tell to you George what's Springer. What's happening this year's pitch selection? Yes. 
And I told him, you know, I've, I've been around so long, I don't only interview these guys. I once in a while and said, you know what? Your pitch selection last year sucked. <laughs> and when I was interviewing him and I said, that's, you got to, with that fastball, you know, stop hanging curveballs. Did he not go, Wait yeah, till you did. get 0-2 yeah. with the fastball and then throw him that right. thing and they'll chase anything. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they, I don't think there was any ever thought that they were no, running no. out of here. There's too much going on there with that arm. But, uh, anyway, hey. Five in a row, and the and the and Cleveland's not playing good. Now you got to go out and play a really good team Anaheim, with uh, yep. pretty good pitching. Anaheim. When do what we see Otani? Do we know? What? Sunday. Ooh, they'll get Otani Sunday. What the heck? They were terrified of Carlos Martinez, and look what happened. Seven to one, Twins win five in a row. We'll take it. Yeah, and and played really really good baseball these two games in St. Louis. We shall return. Well, uh, things had kind of calmed down on the anti-Tibbs uh, front uh, the last uh, couple of weeks after the uh, Timberwolves got eliminated in five. And now we have watched the New Orleans Pelicans and the uh, Golden State Warriors play an absolutely identical series. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the home team comes up big in game three and wins big, and then, then they're going to get beat routinely in five. And basically, the Utah series with Houston has been played the same, so everybody's kind of settled down and relaxed. And now, yesterday, three uh, staff members, not, uh, not key assistants, uh, were uh, let go by the Timberwolves. Including the shooting coach, and I gotta let him go. Sorry, the way they shot. Uh, we we need somebody who can. I, I don't know if t- shooting can be taught, but they were not being taught well. This team, and then this Lagarza guy, which uh, we're all saying, oh, he and Carl Anthony Towns were tight, uh, and he was supposed to teach him some post moves or something like that. He got let go, and you know, Carl could probably use a little better coaching too, don't you think, Manny? Probably, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think, think, I think it starts at the There's top. There's a guy to be sure. had. But then today, Rick Brunson gets fired. Johnny Kay at The Athletic uh, reports uh, that uh, it's uh, based on uh, some uh, sexual misconduct over there with uh, uh, various uh, female employees, uh, apparently one a media member uh, that he... Uh, I, we, we don't know. I don't think it's... It, it has not... Uh, growing to the assault uh, uh, level, but it just accusations that uh, probably made them uncomfortable and the like. And, of course, Rick Brunson was acquitted of a sexual assault in 14, was it? I think it was 2015. 2015 yeah. in, uh, in the Chicago area. He'd worked for Tibbs for a couple of years with the Bulls. And then uh, the best we could tell... Looking at his history, Manny, he didn't have a job in the NHL for NBA for about three years, and then he was in Charlotte. Yeah, he was with. And then he, he got he, brought in here. Well, he was with Tibbs for Tibbs's first two years in Chicago, and then he yeah. went to the then Bobcats. Okay, for a year. Okay, for twelve and thirteen, then he, and then he was and nowhere he was as far back, as I know. Until not back he got in the NBA Tibbs until uh, Tibbs brought him back in, and in between there would have been the. Uh, the sexual assault thing, a judge uh, uh, threw that out or acquitted him in that uh, yeah. situation, uh, whatever. Uh, and that was described as a, uh, he was married at the time. I don't know, he might still be married, but it was a, a uh, 
relationship he was having outside the marriage. And uh, I guess the judge, he claimed it was consensual, and the judge, I don't know if he backed him on the consensual part, but they they freed him of the uh, sexual assault uh, charge. But uh, you pointed out Derrick Rose has got his deal. Yeah. You bring him in. This is... And you got Brunson. Uh, and let's not forget Lance Stevenson last year. You know, mm. you know he had a, a history with something, and Jordan Hill, the same thing. Mm. I mean, this is starting to become a bit of a trend, and, and I mean, and, they, they t- got this, I guess this is not a good look, and the, not not for Tibbs here with the uh, right. having Brunson on the staff, bringing Rose in. Uh, Rose is uh, once again. Ended up beating that, uh, beating that charge of. Uh, did that happen though when he played for Tibbs in Chicago, or did that happen when he was on another team? I think. I'm I think not he sure. Might this have thing been was long. Bulls. This thing was long standing. That the, case or was you mean the one. Brunson thing the or the Rose? Rose. I'm talking about the Derrick Rose. The Derrick Rose thing. I think it was his last year with the Bulls. I got okay. to have to look back at the timeline, but mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. Uh, but anyway, bringing Brunson in uh, was obviously a. Uh, risk of some you know you you were taking a shot on him and believing that uh uh his problems were uh were uh behind him and uh, lo and behold uh, this comes up now so uh not not good for them and uh glenn taylor as the owner of the uh local newspaper probably not uh real happy with something like this going on probably wouldn't be happy anyway but uh There'll be some letters to the editor flying in for sure, well, right? I don't know whether this matters or not, but if this allegation hadn't come forward, was he one that was going to be dismissed anyway? Because they had already I made would, a couple I of staff changes? No, I, I would have no idea. I have, okay. I have no idea. I would guess probably not. No, because but, but, uh, I don't know. Tibita, he must be, he seems like one of Tibbs' guys. But uh, So anyway, now he's got, uh, now you got that going for you. So, uh, the uh, summer is going to be interesting. Let's face it, there's only one thing that could, I think, uh, get, you know, unless he turned a blind eye to what was going on, Thibodeau, if somebody would come and complain to him and they hadn't acted on it about Brunson. But uh, isn't it a shame what's happened they would to have to go. They would have to go to someone beyond the basketball guy, I would think. And just think, I mean, mm-hmm. it was a year ago, and there was some general and genuine buzz about the Wolves for the first time. Yeah, and then the- they won 16 more games. No, 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 but, but what I'm saying is, and the way that the the, the, the program and the, and the franchise is viewed right now is just so vastly different than it was a year ago. I'm not saying but there the, was an improvement. I'm just saying... Well, it, it is odd that it is... That they they had the most sellouts they've had since '92. Right. Sixteen wins, and they won sixteen more games, and they made the playoffs years, in fourteen yeah. years. And, and for people mad. to be uh, negative is uh, kind of odd. To, but this is not. Uh, this is something for that the anti Tibbs to... crowd. This is uh, this is uh, another uh, mark against him. Yeah, right? I mean, and and the fact that he brought Brunson in after the sexual now, assault thing, and now really, I mean, if you're Tom Thibodeau, and so this happens. And you're contemplating bringing Derrick Rose back when you already have mm-hmm. people that don't want Derrick Rose. And I'm not even talking about the basketball, basketball reason, yeah, you know. Yeah. And now you're contemplating bringing back Derrick Rose. I mean, are you really going to do that even now with this coming out? I mean, I, I would don't, think I don't that know. there's uh, probably going to be a sit down on this uh, on the nature of uh, whatever accusations are being made. This is uh, this seems uh, sort of uh, similar to the uh, thing that was going on out at Winter Park when. Uh, 
you know, that with Denny and, and uh, selected assistants there, and that thing blew up into a huge, huge deal, and we'll see where this goes from here. But, uh, you know, he can certainly improve the staff he had last year, but one problem would be listening to anybody. Because he doesn't know, seem to take a, a lot of input. Being an assistant coach for Tibbs is like being an assistant coach for Muss. You know, you know how every other team in the league, including D'Antoni, they got the little gathering out at the, you know, they walk when there's a timeout. They walk out, and Tib, Flip used to do this and have the, you you consult with the assistants there for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. To, Before you d- deliver the message, message to the team. What message am I going to give the boys now? Ah, that don't happen with the Tibbs. <laughs> the rest of them go sit down. And then, now, once in a while, he'll let somebody talk to them about a, a specific uh, topic. But generally speaking, there's no big consultation out there uh, away from the, uh, you know, away from the team. But uh, they, this is going to be the a Timberwolves big, didn't lead this. This is going to be a big summer for them. I mean, we've said oh, that a lot in the past, but this is going to be a big summer for them for multiple Jamal reasons. Crawford just did him a good big favor, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Carl uh, I like Jamal, Aldrich is done, so you'll have about $8 million and you'll have the exception. You have $8 million in cap room, and you got the exception, too, right? After you no, get the, the $8 million is the exception. It's the exception, okay. Yeah, it's like 8.6 or something. So, so and They're getting close to luxury tax territory, right. too, which would change a lot for... Well, how fix the big cat, then? If they're well, they'll, they'll be able to sign him because yeah. you can go over your own guy. You but it's just there, there's guy. that luxury tax where if you pay if your team wow. payroll is a certain amount. I mean, I think they're only like 13 million away from that right now. So, mm-hmm. oh, they're going to pay some luxury tax. What the the question is, will they end up paying the super luxury tax? Which yeah. is, uh, well, we got a super luxury one, tax. Oh, yeah, the one where it's like triple or something mm-hmm. or double or something like that. So, anyway, this whole thing depends on Carl Anthony Towns. If Carl says. You know, I don't like this coaching staff, and I don't think I'm going to sign here. Then, then you would have a change. <laughs> Is he a guy, though, in your opinion, that would do that? that? Would, that would do that? Because I don't Cat, know him well enough. I mean, I don't either, and that I think that's the question. Is because he, Cat is, God love him. He is. He's the guy that he will say all the right things mm-hmm. in front of the cameras. But yeah, I don't is know. he the guy I don't that know will if he's a manipulative really guy or not? Step up I don't and know. say, "Hey, you know, I don't know I, if I don't he's know. a manipulative guy or not." So, yeah, there's going to be a trade this summer too, though. I think so too. There's going to be a big blockbuster trade. We'll be back. We have Jim Cott coming up for our uh, every other week uh, baseball conversation. Here is Johnny Height. Thanks, Patrick. This update sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash hire. The Minnesota Twins have won five in a row after beating the Cardinals today, 7-1. to one. Eduardo Escobar went deep. He had a two-run homer for the Twins. Uh, the pitching was great. Jake Odorizzi went five innings, gave up two hits and one run. The bullpen went four innings. Gave up zero hits, including. Who was the first guy out of the pen? That would be Presley. He pitched oh, oh, two innings. Presley pitched two. Okay. Looked very sharp. Mm-hmm. And uh, how about Phil Hughes? Huh? Yeah, got, got him some on the ninth. All right. Nice was that one, some... two, three? I think it was, yes. No home runs. That's good. No. The bird batters looked a little disinterested. Uh-huh. They kind of wanted to get a little <laughs> game over with. Not to take anything hey, away from Phil. Phil has finished two victories That's in the last right. three days. 
He's yeah, lowering that. He, he's shaving off those numbers of that. It's ERA. down to seven. Funny you okay. should mention. I noticed it's down. to Is seven. Is it really after today? Yeah. I think Rogers got his down to just under seven too. I think because it was seven when he took the mound too. They are trying to get Eddie Rosario. Uh, he hit a scorcher to first base. The first baseman basically ducked, bounced off his glove. Uh, and he got two bases. They gave him a two-base. He base. pulled a rookie? They called it an error? They called it an error, two-base error. And he has uh, extra base hits in seven, I think, mm-hmm. straight games. So they're trying to uh, get, get the, that uh, changed. They'll, they'll appeal to the league. They won't know within a couple of days. Yeah. They, yeah. They've been known to change those things. Though. Yeah. Uh, Byron Buxton ran the bases before the game today. Everything went well. Buxton said he's been told that hairline fractures like his can heal in six weeks or so, but uh, he can play with that hairline fracture. And manager Paul Molitor says they'll have some meetings on the matter. If all goes well, they might be able to activate him in time for Thursday's game against the Angels. If I was Ryan Lamar, I'd be walking down the airplane tonight. (laughs) And accidentally step on Brian Buxton's foot. That's what I would do. <laughs> Give me another month in the big leagues. But you know what? I think, based on Johnny's story, I think Byron's run was successful. Yes, it was. Yes, he was, was successful. successful. His toe rehab was successful. Although I heard Gladys say he looked like he was running about 75%. Uh, so still faster than everybody else in baseball. <laughs> uh, one other baseball note, Blue Jays closer, Roberto Osuna. Ooh, this is a bad story. Placed on administrative leave by Major League Baseball after he was arrested this morning and charged with assault on a woman. Police told the Associated Press the charges for one count of assault provided no further details. Major League Baseball said in a statement it takes all allegations of this nature very seriously and is investigating. Osuno has a 2.93 ERA with nine saves and 15 appearances this season. Timberwolves assistant coach Rick Brunson uh, resigned today. The team announcing both the Star Tribune and the Athletics' John Krasinski saying he'd been the subject of complaints for improper conduct toward women. Brunson won a four assistants to Tom Thibodeau, the team's president of basketball operations and head coach. Couple of football notes. Saints running back Mark Ingram has been suspended for the first four games of the Uh-oh, season. Uh oh, what'd he take? The NFL has handed Ingram a four game suspension for violating the league's policy on performance enhancing substances. It's the standard suspension for a first time PED offense. The league did not say what the substance was. He will be allowed to take part in all of the Saints' offseason work, training camp, and the preseason. But he won't be able to practice or play in the first four games of the regular season. Ingram has not been taking part and I've, in voluntary offseason. You know, baseball, first-time pop, you get half the season. NFL, you still only get a quarter of the season. Wow, how Goodell, do they get away with that? What do you bet Goodell was just grinning from ear to ear because he just loves suspending oh, guys? Oh, he does. He just, <laughs> yeah, I get to suspend somebody again. Highlight of his life. Uh, former NFL quarterback Johnny Manziel hospitalized yesterday for what his rep called a reaction to a prescription. Mm-hmm. Denise, okay. mm-hmm. Denise Michaels said he's fine. He had an issue with his lithium prescription last night. Mm-hmm. According to TMZ Sports, Manziel was hospitalized in Humble, Texas. Uh, after being released by the Browns in March 2016, Manziel plunged into a spiral of substance abuse that he often chronicled on social media. Diagnosed with bipolar disorder, has been treated for depression and lithium, of course, used for both of those. I'm just going to turn my microphone off. All righty, that's good. (laughs) All right, John. Well, uh, thank you very much, and uh, that was fine, and uh, we'll hear from you in an hour. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's very formal, Ben. (laughs) Cott is with us talking baseball. 
In modern society with modern technology and instant information, Jim, people have a hard time appreciating the length of a baseball season. We respond like it's a football season. The Twins were terrible for about two or three weeks, and it was all over, and everybody should get fired, and now they've won uh, four or five in a row and look like a real good baseball team. That happens. Exactly. That's you know that's why they play 162. And you you know you've heard the expression over the years. You know a player would be struggling early, and then an old veteran would say, "Yeah, kid, wait till the leaves turn brown. The numbers will be right where they're supposed to be." And, well, yeah, over 162. In particular today, with the uh, with the longer games, and players are are kind of like thoroughbred horses in terms of. They seem to be a little more brittle. You have a lot more injuries, and uh, pitchers don't go as deep into the ball game. So I think there's a lot more highs and lows, um, you know, than there ever. I guess the Yankees, uh, who I'm covering tonight, would be a good example. You know, they started off pretty slow. Now they've won 15 out of 16, <laughs> and nobody can beat them. So yeah. you go through those periods in 162 games. I was looking up the 67 team for something I did last year, you know, the great race. And that team was an odd team as far as streaks were concerned. What You guys looked like you had everything figured out, and then you lost eight in a row in August and then started playing good again. I mean, that was a really streaky year. It really was. I think that was a year, and um, we, we were kind of disappointed. No disrespect to the guys that were on that team. And I say we, those of us that were there in 65, um, once Baltimore ran off and won in, in uh, 66, then I think um, we started to change the look of our team. You know, uh, Minch got traded and Jimmy Hall wasn't there. We yeah. we went from kind of a power team, and then when when Bill Rigney took over uh, in that era, all of a sudden we, we became kind of a different team, and I, I kind of missed that. I didn't think we were close to as good a team in 67 as we were in 65 or 66. It is funny, though. You uh, think you're playing as good as you can play, and then you're playing as bad as you can play, and then you can start playing well again. It's uh, great. Yeah, the Twins are the team that got the Yankees started. (laughs) They went in there and lost four straight, and the Yankees have lost once since. Well, you know, another another adage, an old one that everybody's heard probably that follows baseball, is you're never as good as you look <laughs> when you're on a hot streak, and you're never as bad as you look when you're, you, when you're on a bad streak. But over 162 games, if you just put the effort out, do the fundamental simple things that you're supposed to do, pitchers throw strikes, fielders field the ball and make routine plays, if if you're the best team at the end of 162 games, that will probably come out. Uh, the Twins in uh, St. Louis last night. Uh, you didn't get a chance to see the Romero kid, did you? No, I'm. I'm they're actually on the TV screen in our yeah. TV truck uh, right. right now that I'm I'm watching him. But I've certainly uh, I've certainly been following him, and he, he looks like he could be quite a fine for him to go along with uh, with Barrios to give him a couple good pitchers right at the top of the rotation. We got to see some old timey baseball last night in that game, though. There's uh, there's two outs and a runner on, and the eight hitters up, and he bunts 
to get to first base so then the pitcher can make the last out so he doesn't have to lead off the uh, next inning. We don't get to see that in the American League anymore. But that was a common, that was a, if the pitcher couldn't hit, that was a common play in baseball to try to get the eight hitter on so the pitcher could make the third out. Yeah, that's that's true. A lot of those, uh, even just the the plain old sacrifice bunch, you don't uh, you don't see much anymore. Or the hit and run. You know, Jim. Every time the Twins are playing an interleague series, uh, Gladden or Provis or somebody on the radio mentions the Twins pitchers have not hit a home run since Jim Cotton, nineteen seventy two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's this that's is why you have the longest I, you have the longest standing record in American sports, I think. <laughs> uh only because the DH came in in 73. Yes, that's right. Who'd <laughs> yeah, you hit it off? Who'd I'll you tell you what the the DH it, it does to me it hurts pitchers a lot what what pitchers that have never uh had a chance to hit regularly since the DH don't oh, appreciate sure. how much you learn about pitching by hitting you know you recognize different pitches you kind of there's just a lot a lot more feel for the game and involvement in the game when you get to hit even though you're not a particularly good hitter so I I really enjoyed the game when the pitcher had a chance to do that hey Jim uh, so the kid pitching last night Romero the twins signed him when he was 16 he had never been at the plate in organized baseball and now all of a sudden he's facing a big league pitcher last night. I think that's dangerous. I that's uh, that frightens yeah. me to have a prospect well, like that. What, yeah. what if somebody throws it inside and he doesn't know how to react? You know. Exactly. Yeah. You you might uh, you know Molly might have said, "Look, just go up there, stand in the very back of the box, and take three, and come back here." <laughs> Hey, uh, Jim, uh, uh, speaking of the Yankees, uh, you're going to get to see them tonight. Uh, you, you got two clubs there, uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees. They they both could win 100, don't you think? Well, they could. I mean, they're going to go head-to-head 19 times themselves. They've already played six, but uh, they they certainly could uh, because I think there's a, big, uh, there's a big difference between those top-tier teams and the bottom-tier teams, so... Uh, you know, it's the same old thing when you go back to those 91 twins. I think they won 13 or 14 in a row, and they beat up on Cleveland and Baltimore. So you beat up on those those bottom teams, and then you hold your own against the top ones, and then that's how you get to 100 wins. So it certainly wouldn't be surprising to see both those teams do it. This Yankee lineup, though, I mean, Stanton hasn't really gotten rolling yet, but... Uh... You add those uh, that that kid second baseman to what they already had. Wow! Yeah, he looks like a Javier Baez that plays a little more under control. And uh, of course, the challenge for the Red Sox will be they're starting two left-handers the first two games, Pomerantz and Price, neither of whom are are really pitching up to their capabilities. And of course, the uh, Yankees are leading with Severino, who's starting to look like the modern-day Bob Gibson. So. I think the Yankees have a, a, a definite edge, at least in this game one, because being a left-hand pitcher against that uh, explosive Yankee batting order, uh, you better have everything working to try to hold them down. It is kind of uh, strange, though, for those of us who remember uh, when the Twins first came here in the 1960s, and, uh, oh, boy, the Red Sox, uh, rarely did they have a left-hander in their starting rotation. Lefties could not win in Fenway. That was the legend. Uh, how'd you like pitching there? Did it bother you? 
I, I like it. In fact, Sam and I, uh, you know, we every now and then he'd come to me and say, uh, and Sam didn't do it as much as the, the managers after that, like Cal Hermer. Well, we're going to skip you in Fenway Park. I said, please. I said, Fenway Park is a good pitcher for a left-hander. Nowadays, it's different. They can hit the ball out to the opposite field. Yes. The lively ball, the lively bats, and the, the players are bigger and stronger. But in those days, Canigliero, Petroselli, uh, you know, guys like that, that I, uh, Mike Andrews, Joe Foy, guys like the Reggie Smith, they, they wanted to pull the ball and hit it over that monster. So if you could sink it down and away with a little movement and, and they would try to pull it, why, you could be very successful in Fenway Park. So I never minded pitching there. No, but uh, I know I know the legend was always that uh, I remember what uh, some guy named Mel Parnell in the fifties won oh, yeah. won a bunch of games there, and they Mel thought Parnell it was, a, was a, one yeah, of the Mel great Mel feats of all time. And, you know, now now they've got four of them in their rotation. <laughs> Of course, one of them is Sale. He don't count. He can pitch anywhere. Yeah, you know? right. He's uh, that's as good a stuff as uh, as a lefty with stuff. Where do you put him, Jim? And, and then he has that funky motion that I think uh, now we see so many cookie cutter motions that his his motion uh, with those elbows and knees and shoulders kind of flying in different directions. I think that's a bit uh, deceptive for the hitter to pick up. So he that, has that going for him as well. Uh, we're having quite the phenomenon out in uh, Los Angeles right now. It has uh, it has been a Dodger town since 1958, but all of a sudden the Angels got the best player in baseball in uh, Trout and the phenomenon in Otani. And meanwhile, the Dodgers are uh, playing terrible and Kershaw's hurt. And I haven't been out there, but I got to think the Angels are the talk of the town suddenly. Well, I would think so, particularly with Albert Pujols now getting his yes. 3,000 tip. They're, they're a very attractive team to come and watch. And as you mentioned, I have the Dodgers coming up in about three weeks. They, uh, you know, the way Arizona and Colorado are playing, I don't. they better not get too much farther behind. They may not be able to recover, particularly now with Kershaw on the disabled list for 10 days. So they got a lot of ground to make up. Jim Cotts with it. Hey, Jim, Pujols, diagnose him for me. I thought when he was great, man. He hit with as good a foundation as I've ever seen. He was just, you could just uh, I, say. I do, too. I mean, when you, you know, there was so much talk uh, once he went to the Angels about the big contract he got. And he's past his prime and everything. But when all is said and done, when you look at what he did those first 10 years in average home runs, RBIs, you know, he's a high-character guy. I mean, he he's going down right with, you know, with Mays and Aaron and Frank Robinson, uh I don't mention A-Rod in that group because of some of the abuse issues he had, but Pujols is right there with them as one of the all-time greats. Hey, you mentioned uh, Willie Mays. He just had a birthday, I think, 86, 87. I saw the Giants uh, uh, tweeted that out. Uh, to me, the uh, greatest player ever. What do you think? Well, I used to ask him that, you know, because I was always partial to Hank Aaron watching yeah. him uh, when I listened to the WTMJ uh growing up in the Midwest, but I, I don't think there's any doubt that guys in that era, guys like Zim, Don Zimmer, that saw him and played against him. Uh, now we have the Byron Buxtons, and we have Torrey Hunter, and we have so many more athletic players that, uh, you know, nobody can play center field like Byron Buxton when he's healthy, but I think in those days really just stood out so much that in that era he certainly was when you talk about hitting, running the bases, instincts, fielding, uh, certainly the 
the greatest player of that era. And he hit 600 home runs, and he played all those games right. in candlestick, which you got to think cost him more home runs than it gave him with that wind howling right. off the bay there. And he got knocked out quite a bit, too, which hitters don't have to put up with today. That is that is true. Uh, so, Jim, uh, Cott, you got uh, Yankees-Red Sox tonight. Uh, it's uh, Boy, the Red Sox, uh, Mookie Betts has gone crazy after having a mediocre year last year. And uh, people weren't sure about that team, but uh, they, they've been, the, from, the, from the get-go, they've been the best team in baseball. Yeah, I think what they've changed their philosophy. Uh, it's been written about quite a bit, where they were they were very patient in terms of taking a lot of strikes. The old theory today: work the count. I mean, you don't go to the plate to work the count; you go to the plate to get a hit. And so now, all of a sudden, the Red Sox are becoming more aggressive and uh, swinging at more pitches early in the count. And uh, the numbers show that that they've been a much more uh, productive team. They're hitting more home runs. They're scoring more runs. And and Mookie's having, uh, you know, a Willie Mays type season. Ah, uh, good weather forecast. You don't have to put up with a rain delay tonight, do you? No, it's beautiful. Oh. It's probably as good a spring day as they've had here. Okay, good. Uh, uh, thanks, uh, Jim, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right, Patrick. Thank you. All right, the great Jim Cott. And uh, next one. The on the air. And now. On this day in Twins history, May 8th, in 1984, Kirby Puckett became only the sixth player in Major League history to get four hits in his first MLB game. On May 8th, 1984, Kirby Puckett debuted. He actually arrived the day before, but he got there late. Uh, and, of course, famously, he got to the ballpark in Anaheim took a cab from the airport and uh, had 10 bucks and the the uh, airfare the uh, fare was 60 uh, he ran into the clubhouse and found Ramsey Carotley and got him to give him the or they gave I think it was Ramsey and gave him the cash and he went back out and paid the uh, paid the paid the fare yeah and he uh, he was saying you can take it out of my meal money and they said ah that's okay Kirby we got we'll, you we'll, we'll pick up the tab for you so uh, Kirby Puckett on this day in history at least one of them was a bunt and one of them was a roller a little roller so he didn't hit a bunch of line drives but he had uh, four hits. In his first ever game, May 8th, 1984, and the rest is history.